Chapter 21 of History of the Norwegian People, Volume 1 by Knut Gership. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 21 Early Social Conditions in Norway. The first account of early Norwegian society is given by the Rigstula, which describes the various social classes and pictures conditions which resemble those of early Germanic society elsewhere. Rig, the god Heimdall, comes to a hut where he finds Ae and Edda an old couple, gray-haired from work and hardship, sitting by the fire. Edda, who wore an old headgear, set before the visitor coarse bread and other simple food. Their son Thrall was stoop-shouldered and coarse-featured, with dark complexion and wrinkled skin. They evidently belonged to some foreign race, brought to Norway either as prisoners of war or as slaves bought in the numerous slave markets. Thrall married without much ceremony the flat-nosed and sunburnt Thier, their children were called Fiosnir, stable boy, Drumber, the clumsy one, Ambot, slave, Tatrukipia, the ragged one, etc. When they grow up, they do all sorts of menial labor. They manure the fields, build fences, and herd goats and swine. This is the slave class, which must have been quite numerous. Rig proceeded on his way, and came to the home of Ave and Ama. The man was busy making parts for a wooden loom. He wore a tight-fitting shirt, his beard was in order, his locks hung over his forehead. The wife sat spinning and was well-dressed. Their son was called Carl. He was married to Snor, with due ceremony according to custom. He tamed oxen, made wagons, built houses and barns, and drove the plow. Their children were Hall, Bonda, Hald, Tegn, Bode, etc. This is the farmer class, those who own land and devote themselves to agriculture. The Karls were the lowest class of landowning freemen, peasants. Below them were the freedmen and renters. The Halds, Storbundi, were an aristocratic class of landowners, a gentry who held their land by inherited right and title, Odel, and were said to be Odel-born. At the head of the Halds stood in each herod, or district, an hereditary chieftain, or hersa, who was their leader in war and commanded the local subdivision of the army. He exercised also priestly functions, and presided at the thing, Old Norse thing, or the assembly of the people. Rig then came to a hall where Fader and Moder lived. The man was engaged in making bows and arrows. He belonged to the aristocracy. The wife decked the table with a fine linen tablecloth, placed silver vessels on it, and served wine, wheat bread, ham, and roasted fowl. She was blonde and was elegantly dressed. Her brows were light, her bosom lighter, her neck whiter than the white snow. Their son was the golden-haired Jarl, who married the blonde and beautiful Erna, daughter of Hersa. From them the king descends. Over against their neighbors, the Swedes and the Danes, the Norsemen felt themselves to be a distinct people from times which far antedate the beginning of authentic history, but they did not at first constitute a united nation. They consisted of a number of independent tribes, occupying quite well-defined districts. The names of many of these tribes are given by Jordanus, and Procopius says that thirteen tribes lived in Scandinavia, the Gautar being the most numerous. The names of Egder, Rigor, Horder, Raumer, Heiner, etc. are still preserved in names of provinces and districts in Norway, like Agder, Rogaland, Hordaland, Romerike, and Hedemarken. The tribe consisted of families to whom belonged the greater part of the land, and who, by virtue of wealth, influence, and tradition, possessed all religious and political power. The title to the land was held by the head of the family, 
but the real ownership was vested in all the members jointly. It was called Odal, and the principle seems to have prevailed that it could not pass out of the possession of the family. All the sons shared equally in the inheritance, but the old homestead was not divided, but was usually inherited by the oldest son. The younger sons received other portions of the estate, where they sold their interest and sought their fortune elsewhere. The village system did not obtain in Norway, as among the Anglo-Saxons and Germans. Each family dwelt on its own separate estate. In Anglo-Saxon, the word tun means town. In Norse, it means the place on which the dwelling is located. The people were divided into filker, Old Norse filki, to folk, equals people. And each filka placed in the field an organized military force under its own commander. The filker constituted the larger units of the army. A parallel to this system is found in the Anglo-Saxon tribal organizations, and especially in the division of the tribes into smaller groups. East Saxons, South Saxons, West Saxons, North Folk, and South Folk. The filka had its own temple, and its own thing, or assembly of the people, where suits at law were tried and decided. The filka was divided into herider, Old Norse herav, her to rab, a military command, which corresponds to the hundreds among the Anglo-Saxons, and the sentina among the Franks. This seems to have been a district large enough to furnish a hundred warriors, which formed the unit of military organization. The Hersa was the hereditary tribal chieftain, while the Jarls had about the same powers as petty kings, and ruled over large districts. Before Harald Horfagra's time, most districts were governed by kings, Filkeskunger, who ruled over larger tribes, such as Riger, Horder, Egder, Raumer, etc., but not till after the union of Norway did the king become distinctly superior to the Jarls. The movement towards a union of independent but closely related tribes into a thjald, Anglo-Saxon thjod, Gothic thjoda, or people, seems to have been well underway, both in Sweden and Denmark, already in the early centuries of the Christian era. Svitjod, the kingdom of the Swedes dwelling around Maleran, has already been mentioned, also Gatjod, the Gautor or Gutar, inhabiting the districts farther south, about the great lakes Venern and Vetern. Denmark was united into one kingdom under the Skjolding dynasty prior to 500 AD. In Norway, where deep fjords and snow-covered mountains made inland travel in early times difficult, and laid great obstacles in the way of closer intercourse between the different districts, national unity was effected later and with more difficulty. But from very early times, the trend of social development towards the ultimate union is clearly seen in the growing tendency to merge the isolated tribes into larger confederacies, and to adopt for these a uniform system of laws which were gradually made operative in larger districts. The oldest confederacy was, probably, that of the Heiner, Old Norse Heithner, dwelling in Hedemarken by the great lake Mjösen, in the eastern part of Norway. They are mentioned in the Old English poem Widsith, and the runic inscription on the rookstone in Östergötland, Sweden, states that together with Horder and Riger, they made a warlike expedition to Sealand in Denmark, under a common king. Their confederacy must have existed as early as at the time of the birth of Christ, and seems to have embraced, besides the Heiner, also Raumer, Ringer, and Hader in Romerike, Ringerike, Hadeland, and other districts. Together they constituted the Eidsivalag, i.e. the people united under a common law, called the Eidsivathingslov. The place of the common assembly, or thing, Eidsivathing, was Eidsvold, at the lower end of Lake Musen. The name of the place of assembly brought about a change of the name, Eidsivislog, to Eidsivalog. More powerful was the confederacy Trondelagen, formed by eight filker dwelling in the old Throndheimer. 
the district around the Trondheimsfjord. This region, which has been inhabited as long as records can trace the existence of Norsemen, is one of the best agricultural districts in Norway. The large areas of fertile soil, which form an undulating plain around this great fjord, explain sufficiently the fact that in very early times Trendelagen was one of the wealthiest and most densely populated districts, and was regarded as the heart and center of the country. Snorra calls it the center of the country's strength. The Trinders took little active part in the Viking expeditions. They regarded their own districts as the most desirable place to live in, and were too strongly attached to their own homes to be fond of adventure or emigration. Trøndelagen consisted of two parts, Indtrøndelagen, or the four Innerfylker, Sparbuen, Verdalen, Innerfylke, and Schogen, and Utrøndelagen, the four filkers situated towards the mouth of the fjord, Styrdalen, Strinden, Guldalen, and Orkedalen. Trøndelagen had two things, Øreting, Ombretjern, in the present city of Trondheim, and Frostething, on the peninsula Frosta, in Indutrondelagen. Every farmer who had a manservant had to attend the Urething, which assembled once a year. At the Frostething, 400 representatives met from the eight filker, 40 from each filker in Indutrondelagen, and 60 from each filker in Utrondelagen. The Frostething grew in importance, and gave its name to the body of laws called Frostathingslov, which was adopted by the whole northern part of Norway. Each filke had its own temple and filkes thing, and governed itself in all local matters. The thing, Old Norse thing, was the assembly of the people in which the freemen met to decide matters of common interest. It was also a court of law. The log things, or larger assemblies, like Urething and Frostething, tried all cases of greater importance. They were also appellate courts to which cases were brought from the lower courts. The president of the lag thing appointed a body of judges, the lagvite, usually thirty-six in number chosen for one session, who served under oath and had to interpret and apply the law in the cases that came up for trial. The decision prepared by the Lagretta was submitted to the whole assembly for approval. The institution of Lagmand, plural Lagmand, was also found in Norway, though it was not so important as it became later in Iceland. At first the laws were not written, and the Lagmand was one learned in the law who could recite it to the assembly. It seems that in Norway several lagmænd acted together in declaring the law. The place of assembly was one of peace and sanctity. Every man must go fasting into court, and no drink shall be brought to the thing, either for sale or otherwise, says the Frostathingslov. The place where the lagretta sat was regarded as a sanctuary, and was surrounded by ropes, vebend, the sacred cords. Dueling with swords was not infrequently resorted to in settling disputes. It was called homgang because the duels were generally fought on a home or small island. When blood was drawn, the affair was regarded as settled, and the losing party had to pay a sum previously stipulated. A duel between the scald Gunlarg and his rival Raven led to its abolition in Iceland by the Althing in 1006. In Norway, it was abolished about 1012. After Christianity was introduced, the ordeal became a mode of trial occasionally resorted to. Its best-known form in Norway was the Jernbeard, which consisted in carrying a red-hot iron or in walking barefoot over hot plowshares. This mode of trial was abolished in 1247. In Trindelagen, with its two lag things, and dual arrangement in general, there were, besides the Filkishov, two great sanctuaries, one at Marin in Sparbuen, one of the most renowned heathen temples in Norway, and one at Lada in Utrandelagen, near the present city of Trondheim. 
Before King Harald Haarfagr's time, there were no kings in Trøndelagen. At the head of each filke stood a chieftain, who was also priest and leader of the people at the thing. His office was hereditary, but whether he bore the title of herse, which was customary in Norway, or was called Gøde, like the chieftains in Iceland, is not known. The two filker Nordmyr and Romsdal, petty kingdoms from very ancient times, also belonged in a general way to the Frostathingslag. The people of Romsdal had their temple on the little island of Vee, the island of the sanctuary, in the Romsdalsfjord. South of Romsdal lies Sindmur, a filka which had its own king, and was the home of some of the most powerful families in the early history of Norway. Especially noteworthy is the great Arnmirling family, the descendants of King Arnvid, who fell in the Battle of Solskjell, fighting against Harald Haarfagre. They resided on the island of Giske, near the present city of Alesund, where a number of interesting archaeological finds have been made. The Sundmerings were great seamen, and took active part in the Viking expeditions. North of Trøndelagen, a large seacoast region fringed with thousands of islands stretches for many hundred miles towards the borders of Finnmarken. This is Nordland, or as it was called in earlier times, Halagaland. The great cod and herring fisheries for which this region is still noted made it in early days one of the most populous districts in Norway. Whale and walrus were caught here in large numbers, and the district was for centuries the center of the rich fur trade of the north, until it was finally surpassed by Novgorod in Russia in the 11th century. The powerful chieftains in Halagaland carried on a lucrative fur trade with the Finns in Finnmarken, on whom they also levied a tribute which brought them a large income. Lithera says that the most precious thing for the chieftains in Halagerland is the tribute paid to them by the Finns. This consists of furs, feathers, whalebone, robes, and ship ropes made from walrus hide. The people of Halagerland were enterprising merchants and sailors. They went on trading expeditions to southern Norway, Denmark, and the British Isles, and followed routes across the mountains to the Gulf of Bothnia. Many trading centers sprang up, like Vagar, Kabelvag, and Tjata, noted later as the seat of the great chieftain Horek of Tjata, still one of the largest country seats in northern Norway. Also Sandnes and Bjarki, later the home of the powerful Torahund. Wealth was accumulated, and literature and culture flourished. Three of the Edda songs, Vullundarkvida, Himiskvida, and Grimnismal, are known to have been written in Hologaland, and here lived also the great skald Ivid Skaldaspiller. The jarls of this district were among the most powerful chieftains in Norway at that time. They had large fleets and ruled over the whole region from Finnmarken to the Trondheimsfjord, including also the districts at the mouth of the fjord. In the southwestern part of Norway, the three filker, Fjordafylke, Nordfjord and Sindfjord, Signafylke, or Sogn, and Hordland, including Nordhordland, Sindhordland, Hardanger, and Voss, were united at the Gulathingslag a much looser confederacy than the Trendelag. Fjordafylke and Sogn are named after the fjords, while Hordeland bears the name of the Horder, one of the oldest known peoples in Norway. They are mentioned by Cesar in the year 58 BC, when according to his account 24,000 Harudis arrived and joined Ariovistus. Hordeland was a very mountainous region with numerous fjords, and but a small area of tillable soil and the hoarder became great seamen and Vikings from very early times. It has already been noted that the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle mentions them as the first Vikings in England, and from that time on this region remained the center of Viking activity in Norway. They extended their power over neighboring tribes and districts, and Fjordafylke and Sogn seem to have been new settlements founded by them, 
The Gula thing was held every spring. Twelve men were chosen from each of the three filker as a legrette by the chieftains who presided over the thing. In the mountain valleys farther inland, the old organization, with petty kings and full tribal autonomy, still existed unmodified by any tendency towards union. In southern Norway, the Christianiafjord, known in earlier times as the Foldenfjord, extends for a distance of about 60 miles into the fertile and beautiful region called Viken. This district, which lies in close proximity to Sweden and Denmark, and faces the Skagerrak and the Baltic Sea, was most favorably located for intercourse with other states. Rich soil, a fine climate, fisheries, and trade made it an attractive and populous region. In early days it became a harbor for foreign influence and new ideas, a center of progress and development, in which was found all that was highest of art and culture in the north at the time. To the west of the fjord lay Tufilker, Grenland, the land of the Grani, and Vestfold. To the east of Vingelmark, and southward from Svinesund, to the Goethe River stretched Ronrike, the land of the Ragnarichi, also called Alfheimer in the sagas, which in later times became a Swedish province. In the southern part of Vestfold, near the coast, lay the famous sanctuary Skiringsal, around which a town had grown up. Uthera says in his report to King Alfred the Great that he lived in Hologerland, and that there is in southern Norway a town called Skiringsal, Skiringsil, to which one can sail in a month by resting in the night if the wind is favorable. As a commercial town, it was soon outstripped by Tunsberg, not far away, on the west side of the Christiania Fjord. In the neighborhood of Tunsberg lay a number of sanctuaries dedicated to various divinities, whose names are still traceable in Bosberg, Baldersberg, Hassum, Halsheimer, Horgen, and Oseberg, the land of the Aesir, where the Oseberg ship was found. The art and wealth exhibited in the grave chamber of the queen or princess buried in this ship furnish singular evidence of the culture and power of the princes of Vestfold in early ages. The kings of Denmark had won supremacy over this province. When this happened is not known, but in 813 the ruling native princes acknowledged the Danish king's overlordship, and Vestfold became a Danish province. But the powerful king Godfred of Denmark, who ventured to begin war even against Charlemagne, was killed by one of his own men in 810 and a period of confusion and strife between rival claimants to the throne was the result. During this period, the Inglings came to power in Vestfold, a family which was destined to rule over all Norway and to unite it into one kingdom. They quickly seized the opportunity and made Vestfold independent, but the Danish kings continued to claim it, even as late as the reign of Valdemar the Victorious. End of chapter 21